Welcome to the Airborne Youth Podcast. Today you'll be hearing a message from a guest speaker. So, I'm going to pray really quick, because that's awesome. Father, we just invite you here. Holy Spirit, come to speak to our hearts tonight. We just invite you to just continue the work that you've already started tonight. Amen. Amen. All right. So has anybody seen Aladdin yet? Well, spoiler alert. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, like, since I was a little kid, this, like, ages me because I was alive when, like, the original Aladdin came out. Murr didn't see it yet, did you? (laughs) She was too cool to go to the movies with us. Anyways, so I love Aladdin. Um, When I was little, I have, like, special memories with it because my aunt took me and all of my cousins to the movie theater. It was the first time we met her new boyfriend, who has now been my uncle all of these years. So it was, like, a fun little outing. But I just love the story. I love um, the songs and the genie. It's just all so wonderful. But um, you hate it? Is that what you said? (laughs) Well, <laughs> um, but this, like, this new one that came out, I thought it was really well done, and one of the things that really stood out to me, hey, shh, one of the things that, like, really stood out to me was um, just the whole story of Aladdin being an orphan, and one of the things, there's, like, so he's, like, born an orphan and a street rat, right? His parents, he doesn't have his parents, he just has this little monkey who's his best buddy, Abu, and he, um, raise, he's like just raises himself on the streets. He's stealing for his food. He's living as an orphan. But he then finds the lamp. And the genie gra- grants him his wishes. And his wish was to be a prince so that he can marry Jasmine. And so he gets his wish. He becomes a prince. They have this grand entrance. Will Smith's rocking it as a genie. They're going through the whole movie. And he like ends up being in front of the sultan and princess jasmine and he's super awkward it's like one of the funniest scenes in the movie to me because he's like up there and like he's this prince and nobody knows it's aladdin they all think he's prince ali and he's up there and he's you know presenting himself as this prince but like he's saying all these really awkward uncomfortable things to the genie because he just has no idea what a prince lives like he has no idea the way a prince should act and so he looks like a prince and he has all the get-up like a prince would have, all the treasures, all the fine things. But, like, he's not believing in himself as a prince. And he ends up, you know, being super awkward, uncomfortable. And he wasn't believing himself that he was actually a prince. So even though he looked like a prince and he had everything with that, he wasn't walking in that identity of being a prince. He was still stuck in that mindset of being an orphan and a street rat right? I can turn Aladdin into a Christian movie. <laughs> but it was, it like hit me. I mean, honestly, I'll, I'm not gonna lie. I saw it three times in the movie theater because I loved it so much. <laughs> but that, it like started to grow more and more, that like idea of this is like, I'm seeing redemption. And like, you know, it goes through the whole movie and then he ends up like, you know, being true to who he is and like being confident in who he was created to be. And so often as Christians, that's what we do. Like, we're living in sin. We're living with an orphan spirit. We're living in our insecurity. We're not living up to the identity 
that God has created us for. We're not walking in that, but we look like we are. We look like we're a prince, but we're not living like we're a prince in our hearts or a princess. Um, And so one of the things, there's been a lot, I mean, God has just been like stirring something up and it's been like brewing for a while, but the, the topic of identity has just been so heavy on my heart. And I just really feel like there's so many things that are keeping us from living up to the identity of who we are created to be, of w- truly walking in communion with the Father as, a, as an heir to the kingdom. And we're missing it because we're not believing that about ourselves. So we're not taking on our identity as royalty because we're stuck in the mindset where we're choosing not to. Um, so one of the things that kind of can block us from being, like, living in our true identity can be insecurity. And it can keep us, like, stuck in this mindset of worrying that we're not going to fit in. We think too much about the things that we say and that we do. I mean, I watched a whole YouTube video about cool things that, like, the generation says now. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, it's funny, and I say some of them. But it was, like, this, like, educational video, basically, about what things mean. Like they were talking about T, not the letter T, but T-E-A, and bet, and canceled, and all these things. And I was just like, those don't mean what they used to mean anymore. (laughs) But like, we say those things so that we can fit in with the culture, because we're insecure that if we don't, then we're not going to fit in. And we think about what we wear, the way that we treat people, all of these things. And in Matthew 6, 25, it talks about us not worrying about what we're going to wear or the things that we're going to eat. And I, I've read that in, in a way for so many years. I mean, it's a scripture verse that I've heard for so long of like, I don't have to worry because God's going to provide those things. But I read it in a new way this week because it was like, I don't have to worry about it because it doesn't matter. Like, yes, God is going to provide those things, but I'm not defined by what I wear. I'm not defined by what I eat or what I worry about. In verse 28, um, starting at verse 28 in Matthew 6, it says, Why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet, and yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need even though you live with such little faith. And then down in verse 31, it says, So then forsake your worries. Why would you say what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things that you require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow But deal with each challenge that comes your way, one day at a time, and tomorrow will take care of itself. And I was just like so just struck by that verse because I've done it. I mean, I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, does this look okay? Is this going to be cool enough? Da-da-da-da-da, whatever. You know, like we've all been there before. But like why am I worrying about that? What we need to figure out is like getting to the root of why do we care so much? And I think when we're not living in our true identity, when we're living out of that insecurity, it stops us from living in full communion with the Father. 
And I just, I can't help but think that so many of the things that we get caught up on are keeping us from entering into the revival that's already here and waiting for us. Um, so living in confidence that his plans for you are holy and good, you find your security in that. The next thing that I have just, has just been on my heart that I often see, and this is a lot of, this was a big part of my journey in learning to overcome this, was not living in offense. I don't mean like offense that you like put up around your heart. I mean offense. And I think it's so easy in our world to be offended. And when we live out of offense, we're not living out the true identity that God has intended for us to live. Has anyone in here ever gotten their, their feelings hurt? Yeah. I'll, I would be like, I'd love to talk to you if you haven't, because I think I could learn a lot from you. Um, but sometimes we create offense in our own lives based off of assumption. Like, I know two people that had a misunderstanding one time, and they were fighting for, like, a couple of weeks because one person got out of the door and closed it behind her, and she didn't know that the other person in the back seat was going to go out that way. I get so dumb, but they didn't talk about it. And they were fighting for so long because the person who was still in the car thought that she slammed the door on her face and didn't, like, talk to her about it. But, like, how often? I mean, that's, like, a really extreme and petty case, but, like, that happens. Like, we make an assumption over someone's actions, and we think, oh, they did this because da-da-da-da-da. And we choose to be mad at them and live offended. And, like, they probably had no idea. Like, this girl had no idea that she was going to get out her side. She thought she was getting out the other way. You know what I mean? Again, that's, like, an extreme case. But, like, it happens. And without communication with each other, assumption can create a false offense. And it creates division. We're so much more easily offended when we aren't confident in our identity in Christ. We, we let ourselves be offended when we don't know who we are because our identity can be rocked that way. I remember when I was living in Haiti, and this was like a really tough season for me because I was getting ready to submit my resignation. And it was an act of obedience that was probably even harder than actually moving to Haiti. <laughs> Coming home was one of the hardest things that I ever did. And getting ready to tell them that. And I had a supervisor who was supposed to be pouring wisdom into me and encouragement. And she, like, was really, she said some really hurtful things. And if I would have let myself go there, it could have ruined the last six months of my time in Haiti. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we choose to live in offense, we're just inviting him to come on in and sit at the dinner table and mess everything up. And I made a decision through that whole situation. I actually had to, like, make a little sign and hang it at my door so it was the last thing that I saw every day. I had to choose love, choose joy, and choose honor. I didn't agree with everything that was being done, but, like, I knew that God was bigger than all of that. And people react sometimes out of things that have nothing to do with you. So I don't know where she was at in her life and the things that she said, despite how hurtful they were. I stopped and looked at them, and I was like, well, that's not actually true. Like, the things that you're saying don't actually define who I am, and that's not truth. And I straight up said, I don't accept that, like, over my life. And she just kind of looked at me. She didn't really know what to say. But we have that authority over our lives 
to, to choose not to live in offense, to choose to just love people. Think about how many times Jesus could have been offended. Like, legit, think about it. I mean, dying on the cross, I probably would have been a little offended. You know, <laughs> like, that's a big thing. It's not just some little thing. And he did that for us without any offense. He didn't say, I'm up here doing this for you guys, and I'm so mad at you. Like, no, he loved us so much that he just did it. So when I had this sign on my door to choose joy, choose love, and choose honor, it was a decision that I had to make every single day. And I had to look at this person in the face almost every day for six months before I left. And I knew how she felt about my decision. But I was obedient to God because that's what he was calling me to do. And I never would be standing here if I wouldn't have said yes to coming home. And I think that our yes to God in all things, choosing not to live in offense, choosing to be obedient to what the word of God says, it releases us into a freedom where we don't have to care. It doesn't mean be arrogant, but it means we can be so confident in what God is saying and who he's created us to be that we don't have to sit in our offense. And like I said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob us of our joy. He wants to rob us of, re- of the relationships that we have with each other and fellowship with each other. But like I said, we get to choose how we react. Proverbs ten twelve it says, Hatred keeps old quarrels alive, but love draws a veil over every insult. Like when we choose to love instead of live in offense, it just... It eliminates so much drama <laughs> in our lives, for lack of better words. <laughs> um, so, like, what if we start looking at opportunities that we could be offended? What if we look at them through a spiritual lens instead? And we react the way that Jesus would react. It doesn't mean you can't set healthy boundaries for your life. Like, you don't have to let someone, you know, emotionally abuse you but like you can still love them and set boundaries and honor them even if you don't agree with what they're saying or doing. How do you think we could change today's culture if we loved the people who hurt us instead of engaging in the conflict with them and being offended? Like our culture wants to suck us in to the drama and to being offended. I mean, look at like... Instagram. <laughs> there's so many opportunities for like even the celebrities like live like that and there's like this person like made this person mad and it's all over. And we when we don't engage with that and we decide to respond in love, we're living set apart. We're living up to the standard that God has set for us to live. I heard a quote one time that said, I think Bill Johnson said it, that when we don't live up to the standard that God has set for us to live, we're literally inviting the enemy to come in and just destroy things. It's like opening up a door, like I said before, and like just inviting him to come sit at the table with us and like have at it. The last thing I want to focus on is an orphan spirit and how an orphan spirit can keep us from walking in our identity. Like I shared about Aladdin, like even though he was... Everybody thought he was a prince. He was still stuck in living with an orphan mindset. So I, like, worked at an orphanage for five years, and I learned a lot about the orphan spirit through that because it just taught me so much. And we had this one orphanage that we used to go visit all the time. 
And it was a really painful thing to go to see those kids because it was a really poorly run orphanage and the kids were treated horribly. They were like just skin and bones. And when we came in for food, when we came in to visit them, we always brought food because it had usually been days since any of them had had anything to eat. And I would just like cry and cry and cry. Um, and I would bring my orphanage kids from where I worked with me, and that was like a ministry trip for them. And they would go in and serve these other kids food, and they could like minister to them and love them because they've been where they were at. But these kids at the, vis- at the orphanage that we were visiting they would, like, fight each other, like, punch each other for food. And it was like, we had enough for everybody. They weren't going to go without. But they didn't know anything different because they would go days at a time without eating. And so um, they were always, like, just always fighting with each other. We would sometimes bring shoes because none of them had shoes. So we would, if we got a big donation of shoes, we would take it over to them. And even though there was enough for everybody, they would still fight with each other over who got the shoes. I mean, they were sleeping in a, in a home that had no doors, like to even close to go to the outside. So there were always rats running around and cockroaches, all this stuff that was just so nasty. They didn't have mattresses. They didn't have blankets. I mean, it was like something that you would see on like one of those World Vision commercials or something, but it was like real life. And we were walking through the house with them. And I like had this one little boy who every time I got there, he would jump into my arms and I just held him the whole time I was there. And he showed me where he was sleeping and he was one of the smaller boys and he was just sleeping in the little corner. Like didn't even have space to stretch out. There were like so many kids packed up into a room. And like while they stood up for each other and loved each other, they still would fight with each other when it came down to like, I'm not going to get enough. They were living in lack. But like when we don't live that way, when we live confidently in God providing for us, we don't have to live in lack because we have enough. We're lacking nothing. An orphan spirit is full of fear. It could be separation anxiety, maybe broken trust, a lack of love, feeling unworthy of love, fear of abandonment, because maybe you've experienced abandonment. Um... I want to read a list of questions, and I just want you to, like, ask yourself these. Ask yourself these things. Do I operate out of insecurity? Am I jealous of others' successes? Do I serve God to earn his love? Do I self-medicate by pulling deeply inward? Do I struggle with self-worth? Do I fill the void by working constantly through physical gratification or with a narcissistic behavior? and or self-indulgence. Narcissistic is like self-centered, self-absorbed, like self-focused. Am I driven by the need to succeed? Do I use people to accomplish my goals? Do I repel my biological or spiritual children or family? Do I struggle with anger or fits of rage? Am I always in competition with with others? Do I lack self-esteem? And do I receive my identity from material possessions, physical appearance, or activities? Any of those things you could have said yes to, that could be a sign that you are operating in an orphan spirit. And that's keeping you from walking in the fullness of communion with God and the fullness of your identity. When we're operating in the spirit of adoption, we're secure We celebrate the accomplishments of others. We experience acceptance. We fill emotional voids with intimate time with the Father. We allow the Spirit to lead us into our calling. 
we serve others and provide opportunities for them to grow in their own destiny in Christ. We don't use anger or other forms of manipulation to get our way. We bless others around us, freely sharing the Father's love with others. And we love ourselves and exhibit healthy self-esteem. And we're grounded in our identity in Christ. We need to fight for identity. I had a dream back in the fall, and I've shared this before, I think, um, definitely with some of you, but I think I've shared this up here. But I'm going to share it again because I have a microphone. But I had a dream a few months ago, and in my dream, there were hundreds of students. You guys were all there, and I don't know who else was there, but it was a ton of youth all in one building, and they were um, worshiping. And for whatever reason, Ben and Josh and Ethan and I all walked outside. And when we went outside, the whole building was surrounded by, like, men who were, like, had black bandanas over their faces, and they were, like, pointing machine guns at the building. It was not, like, good guys. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, oh, hey, <laughs> it was a scary moment. And, hmm? No, it was a dream. It was, this is just a dream. <laughs> I was like, that really happened? Um, <laughs> no, this is just a dream. And I don't think it's like an act that this is going to happen. But when we went outside and we saw these guys, Ben started screaming like, this is not going to be a genocide. Does anybody know what that means? Okay. He's screaming, this is not going to be a genocide. This is not going to be a genocide. And you know how loud Ben can scream. Like that's what he was like going after it in the dream. And then Josh and Ethan and I all started yelling, we have victory in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus. So the whole time this dream is going on, the song, this is how I fight my battles was playing. And it was that one line where it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And then I woke up, and I was just like, whoa, (laughs) God, what does that dream mean? And I so clearly and vividly heard him say, there is a war on the identity of today's youth, but there's not going to be a genocide, and we have victory in Jesus. We have to fight. We have to fight to live in our identity. It's a choice. But it's worth fighting for. And that might mean working through some really hard things, like that list of questions that I read. Like, that, those are real hurts. Those are real things that keep us from living in our identity. And that's, that's not to say that those hurts aren't valid, but God wants you to be healed from those hurts. He doesn't want you to stay in them. And um, so I believe, like I shared earlier, I believe that revival is here right now and it's available to us. But what if we just start saying yes to it? What if we start saying yes to a kingdom lifestyle? What if we start saying yes to walking in our true identity? I think sometimes it's easy to get caught up in all of the things we have to say no to. Like, say you're, like, on a diet, and you're like, oh, I have to say no to cake. I have to say no to chocolate. I have to say no to this. You get to say yes to, like, taking care of yourself. You get to say yes to a healthy life. You get to say yes to all these other things. And I think we need to change the lens that we're looking through. The things that we feel like we're missing out on in our culture, we don't have to look at it that way. It's not the things that we're saying no to. We get to say yes to God. We get to say yes to a life in the kingdom. Ben talked about this a couple weeks ago, but he was saying how, like, so often we, we ask how far can we go in our sin nature. 
what's the like the most that I can do that it's not like totally crossing the line. But that's called living on the fence. It's one foot in the world and one foot out. And that's not where we're intended to be. Yeah, I would imagine <laughs> it would be. But we can say no to gossip. We can say no to conforming to the world. We can say no to bullying people. We can say no to unforgiveness. Um, and when we say no to those things, we're saying yes to God. We're saying yes to life in the kingdom. We're saying yes to walking in our full, true self of who God created us to be. When we say yes to that, we're saying yes to the miracles. We're saying yes to signs and wonders. We're saying yes to a deep and intimate relationship with God. We're saying yes to freedom from our sin and our guilt and the shame and condemnation that some of us have been living in. We're saying yes to freedom. Um, I'm going to open up this Bible verse really quick. Ephesians 1, uh, 5, starting in verse 5. It says, for it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his, delight, as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we've been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. The superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all ages reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. I'm going to say that one again. Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny. That we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. And when you go down just a little bit, it says, Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride, as the first installment of what's coming. He is our hope, promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. I shared this in prayer earlier, but I had a, like, just as I was having time with the Lord, he brought me back to this um, moment when I was like literally in the middle of a hurricane in Haiti. And I've never experienced winds like this before. Like picture this if you were on the beach trip last year, it was like worse than that. <laughs> and that if that puts it into a little bit of perspective for you. <laughs> but it was so windy and I was like, I mean, literally it was like, I like couldn't move going against the wind. And I, like, flung my leg over, and I hit it on a, like, piece of, like, cement sidewalk or something, and it broke my toe. Like, that's how much force I had to use just to, like, move my leg. Like, it was wind that was insane. 
And the only reason I was out there was because we were trying to get all the orphanage kids onto a bus so we could take them to, like, the safest part of our, our um, mission because the <laughs> roofs of their buildings were, like, curling up and, like, getting ripped off. It was, like, intense. But, like, when I was sitting with the Lord this morning, he took me back to that moment, and he was like, picture my, my Holy, the Holy Spirit as, like, the wind. And when you're trying to go against the direction that the wind is blowing, it's really hard to move, and you could end up with a broken toe. And that hurts, <laughs> or even worse. But you know what I mean? It's, like, that idea of, like, we have to try so hard to go against the direction that the wind is going. But if you just turn around and go with the wind, it, it probably, probably would have fell over <laughs> in that situation because it was so windy. But it, like, carries you. Like, I could have run really fast or just gone with it. And it's, it's like that. Like, we, when we're fighting, like, the fullness of our identity, when we're fighting, the, like, being obedient and walking in that obedience, we're fighting against what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives. We're going against the wind, it is stupid, Ben. You're right. <laughs> Guys, just stop trying to go against the wind. Carissa, can you come up? Sorry, I didn't ask you this ahead of time. Can you play the first song that you guys did? I just feel like there's something tonight, like worship. I mean, even just in prayer time. Um, back to prayer time that we had on Monday. And then tonight, and worship tonight, there's something stirring in the atmosphere that God wants to free you from. He wants to release you into full freedom. I want you to think back to that list. I'm going to ask the leaders to come up front. And if there's things, like if you're struggling with self-worth, if you're driven by the need to succeed, if you're using people to accomplish your goals, if you're jealous of other people's success, any of those things on that, le- on that list, are you operating out of insecurity? If you feel like there's something holding you back or separating from you and God, just stop it tonight. Leaders are going to come up. And I think sometimes there's something super powerful in an act. And when we, when we have a moment when we take action and lay something down at the altar or go to someone for prayer, it's like a powerful act that releases something. And so I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Leaders, you guys can make your way up to the front. So Holy Spirit, we invite you here for your wind to blow through this room right now. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. I just break off fear in the name of Jesus right now, and I speak um, courageousness and boldness in this room. Guys, I want to give you an opportunity as we're singing this song to step forward and get prayer. Or kneel right where you're at and lay whatever you need to lay before the Lord. But if you have something that you're holding on to, maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to ask forgiveness for somebody. 
whatever it is that might be creating space between you and God tonight, that thing is keeping you from living in the fullness of your identity. And I promise you it's so much better to just let those things go. So I just want you guys to spend the next couple of minutes just asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you if there's something that you need to lay down tonight. Maybe you need to come up and talk to one of the leaders and let us pray for you. But I just strongly encourage you, don't leave tonight without taking action if you feel that nudge in your spirit to take action. Listen to the nudge. This podcast was recorded live at our Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, visit airborneyouth.com.